Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate being with all of you today. And it's such a joy to be together, I guess I should say, in the midst of such a strange time in human history, right? Where things are not as they should be. Um, And isn't that the understanding of all Christians throughout the ages? Um, A friend of mine told me this story one time, Pastor Thomas Powell of um, Chapel of uh, Chesapeake Bay, Virginia. He said a young boy made a beautiful little boat, decided to take it to the stream to see if it would float. To his surprise and joy, it did. And he played with it for a while and it got away from him and he chased it downstream on the bank until it went out of sight. He was depressed, as you might imagine, and walked home very sad. About two months later, when he was passing by a window of a secondhand store, he saw his boat in the window of that store. So he went to into the store and took it out of the window and started walking out of the store. And the store owner said, hey, what are you doing? Where are you going with that? And he, uh, he said, you got to pay for that. And the young boy said, I don't have any money, but I made it. And after talking more to the store owner and finding out how much it would cost him, he ran home, got together all the money he had and bought his own boat back from the store owner. When he left the store, he said to his little boat, you're now twice mine. I made you and now I bought you. And I think most folks would agree about the first part that God made them, right? But buying them, I think that's another story, right? We're going to talk more today about that purchase uh, because that purchase is the focus of the book of Revelation. And from what I could tell from studying it for a while now, the whole Bible. Um, Good morning. So uh, I hope that this will be a a way for you to contain uh, all that uh, is in this book. And there's a lot of exciting things, scary things, all this stuff going on. And hopefully we can, uh, Ryan laid out a little bit last time about how, there was a container that it could fit in. So we'll talk about that as we do. But let me ask you this question. How do we get a better hold on our boughtness? That the fact that we've been purchased, the fact that we don't belong to ourselves. How, how do we get a, a, a good hold on that? Well, hopefully today we'll see a little bit about that, that in the midst of all the difficulties that are going on, we see uh, a vision in heaven of what's really happening. And uh, as Ryan pointed out last week, this was written by the one we know as the Apostle of Love, John. Um, It may seem strange that the Apostle of Love tells of these judgments, plagues, famines, and host of other judgments God sends on the earth at at the hands of his one and only son, Jesus. And... um, I'm talking a lot about Ryan today because he really set the stage. So thank you for that, buddy. Uh, Last week, he wanted to give us a container to hold all this and talk about the various views of Revelation. And I've long held a uh, futurist view. But as I look at it today, I think that there are some real lessons and insights we can gain from studying this book and may, in the end, cause us to really dig into our spiritual disciplines, um, reading scripture, praying, giving, serving in a brand new way. Um, so let's get to it and keep in mind the end game. Like Ryan said last week, again, we already know who wins. 
Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and on the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. And then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The heir to David's throne has won the victory. He's worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Let's pause right there in our reading for a second to take a look at Jesus' triumph. This doesn't look like a worldly triumph, uh, but a different way of winning. <laughs> it's a victory over our self-centeredness, self-interest, and it's in giving of ourselves that we experience it. And of course, Jesus set the tone, the example, and by what we've seen thus far in chapter 5, the only one who could. I want to share with you a few more scriptures that talk about that in our pause here. Um, if you look here, it talks about triumphing. And not, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us, he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. It's something very different than strong arming, right? It's the fragrance. It's something that's been given off because of what we've experienced in Jesus. It overflows. It's in love, it's in kindness, it's in grace, it's in mercy, it's in how we treat one another. It's in how we understand ourselves to have been treated by God. The second one is, he, he also, Jesus here disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of the work of darkness by triumphing over them in his resurrection from the dead. So there's all these pieces that don't look so much like the way we look at triumphing. And finally, in uh, James chapter 2, verse 13, judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, and mercy triumphs over judgment. It, 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 it's like this. When you understand how much you deserve judgment and have gotten mercy, you're able to do that for others, right? And that's what he's saying here. Mercy will triumph over judgment. So let's get back to our reading. And remember at this point, no one was worthy except the lamb stood up and was about to take that from, uh, from the hand of the one on the throne. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings. I, I'd never thought about this before until I uh, read that Bible project one or I was listening to it. And it talks about how the lamb actually probably looked like it was a lamb and it's had its throat cut. And it's just bleeding all over, which is really a, a divergent way to see a victor, right? That seems like a strange way to see somebody who's brought victory. Um, but it was standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. And he had seven horns, seven eyes, which represent the seven-fold spirit of God. Um, if you have done any reading in this passages before, 
there is a, the number seven is always used in the Bible of, of completeness, um, perfection, all of that. So it's about fullness there. It's talking about, and the number of man is obviously incompleteness. So it's six is the number of man. Um, and I just found that uh, fascinating as you go through and you'll read in chapter 13 more about that. Um, so he, the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. And he stepped forward and took the scroll from the hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings, 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they had golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it for you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people to for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked again. And I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who is slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven, on earth and under the earth and in the sea. And they sang Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the lamb. So the picture is not complete of chapter six, which we're going to get into in a second until unless you see chapter five. Obviously, there's so much wrong going on in the world. God needs to set it right. But who can actually see clearly enough, cares enough, can make a way enough for there to be both judgment on those things and mercy? There's only one. So as we look into chapter six, it talks about various seals and I'm not going to read through everything and all the things that are happening here. But um, I do want to point out some of the things that are going on. Right. So there's conquering, there's war, there's famine, there's scarcity, there's death. There's the cry of those being martyred for their faith. There's earthquakes and cosmic disturbances, all this stuff that's going on. Right. That's the that's six of the seven of the first judgments on the seals that are broken open. But let me say that the judgments are truly against us, both collectively and individually. What we've caused externally upon others and what we've done within ourselves, those are all against God. And it incurs the wrath of God. And God calls out again and again in this book of Revelation for us to repent. How come? Because he's wanting for us to get it right or get it together. No, it's so that we would actually admit that we can't walk rightly without him. And because we have no idea what righteousness really is. That's why he lays out the Ten commandments and he says, here, keep this. And we go, I, don't even, I can't even do that. Right. And because we don't have any understanding of what that is, it's seriously, I think if we never really understand the gravity and the weight 
the weight of our own wrongdoings. We never grasp the magnitude of Jesus' death for our sins because it's not really clear to us. It's not just about making us better, right, or making people better. Um, it's about buying us back, like that story told us, out of prison for our own wrong choices and the choices of ours that we have foisted on other people. These are the things that separate us from God. And it's the same reason that Jesus said, whoever has been forgiven much, the same loves much. Because they get it, right? They get it. You can't really get it until you understand what you deserve and haven't received for, for what we've done. And it doesn't motivate us to put, a, uh, to put something on uh, somebody else, but to come alongside and help others to trust Jesus too, right? So after these six uh, uh, seals are opened, there's a pause and interruption in the cataclysmic events on earth. Like it's kind of like a commercial or more like in a movie when they cut away to another scene that is happening at the same time. This is what's going on. Chapter seven is there, okay? And it says, after this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before their, the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped the Lord. They sang, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the 24 elders asked me, "Where, who are these clothed in white? Where did they come from? And I said, sir, you're the one who knows. And he said to me, these are the ones who died in the great tribulation and they have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb and made them white. And that is why they stand in the in front of God's throne and serve him day and night. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter and they will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun for the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Wow. So that's happening while these six judgments come out. And the way it works is it's like this nesting doll. Uh, this is something that my granddaughter loves that her mama got us when she was in Russia. And uh, this is the this is like what the seals are like. So in the seventh seal, you open up the seventh seal and then there is the seven trumpets. And inside the seven trumpets, the seventh of the seven trumpets is seven bowls. And that's how it unfolds to uh, reveal what God is actually doing in this time. And the judgments on the planet itself come in the uh, 
in the second group, uh, in the seven bowls, vegetation is struck and the sea is struck and the waters and heavens and locusts and demonic angels. And then again, another, another thing happens. In the seventh one, it says, let me get my Bible here. It says, then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The last enemy in all of life, to be destroyed is going to be death when Jesus puts an end to that too. So picture this. What if these things are happening at the same time? Then it would depend on which one we're focused on as to which we'll see. So sometimes we don't see it ever from the perspective of the judgments falling. We just kind of see it from the ground up, right? That things are bad that are happening around us. Um, but God's view is a little bit different. And the things that are going on in heaven that are drawing us to him, um, that's the things that make a difference. And um, Therese and I and my wife, uh, and I have experienced a few losses in a short time. And in the last two and a half years, even greater losses. Um, Teresa lost her dad in November of 2018 and her sister in 2019. And my mom in 2020, just uh, this past month. To add insult to injury, we lost our 16-year-old cat buddy just this week. And now we're even making funeral and estate plans ourselves. So it's really depressing. And all of it's been kind of hard to process and enter into fully. And so the question we have to answer ourselves, Teresa and I, without avoiding the pain of it all, is what's going to be our focus as we enter into this next stage of life? Um, how are we going to live in such a way that fully embraces difficulties, challenges, and joys of the here and now in a way that prepares us for even more difficulty, I think, sometimes, that's guaranteed to come. And let me ask it in this way, where I ask, how do we get a better hold on our botanists? Because that's how we recognize that there are two things going on at one time. And I even mentioned before about um, what will make us, what will help us to uh, have a different perspective of our spiritual disciplines, right? Reading our Bibles and, uh, and praying and, and all of that. And I think that um, the things that bring life to it and the things, the reason that it's helpful to do those things, those spiritual disciplines, is it helps us get perspective. It totally helps us get perspective. When we're worshiping, it's very different for us 
than when we're not. You know how those days and weeks and months and sometimes years go by without um, us worshiping in our own on our own, singing songs to Jesus. You know those times. Yeah, I've had many of them. So, you know, when you're thinking it through. And you're understanding that these things are actually happening at the same time. You can look up and know. Not only did, uh, like I, Andrew, can you bring up that last slide there? Not only do we know um, that how we can get a better hold on our botanist is we realize what cost he paid for us to be his, right? And, and second, by living in a way that continually recognizes that his difficulties are going on, so is his praise in heaven. And he's not immune to our struggle, but he's actually in it with us. And, and my encouragement to all of us today is to lean into those things, lean into the things that help us to get the proper perspective. Take a deep breath. Take a walk, be by yourself, call out to Jesus, ask him, ask him to bring those things to life for you. Listen to some worship. Jason, by the way, you do a fantastic job at calling us in over and over and over again into what's really there, the real true God and what he is like and how we connect with him through worship. It's fantastic. So thank you for that. And I'm going to pray now that these things take root in our souls. Father, I pray that we would recognize our botness, <laughs> that we would know that you gave it all. You gave it all. No one, no one, no one comes close to you. No one is like you. And may you be lifted up. And may you know, uh, may you, may we know you in a deeper way as a result of what we've learned today. That these things are going on at the same time. And you are worthy, O oh Lord, of every, of every prayer we pray, of every uh, giving we do of every uh, uh, service, act of service that we do for one another. You are worthy and you are our motivation. In the name of Jesus. Amen.